Welcome to Changeboard's Future Talent Podcast, our series of exclusive interviews with senior business leaders and thinkers to uncover their perspectives on the changing world of work. I'm Jim Carrick-Burtwell, Changeboard's CEO and founder. Make sure to leave a review and subscribe. The Future Talent Podcast is available on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Today, I'm joined by Joe Purcell, Director of Talent at Manpower Group in the UK. Prior to joining Manpower Group in 2015, Joe worked for American Express, where she held the position of Director for Global Talent Development. In this podcast, I asked Joe about the effects that new technology is having on the recruitment industry, the importance of learnability in the light of these rapid shifts, and how recruiters can find and nurture talent across the different generations in the modern workplace. Yeah. So, so Joe, it's very nice to meet you. Um, so tell me what your role is within Manpower Group. So I'm Director of Talent for uh, Manpower Group in the UK. Um, so that is mainly focusing on our internal talent, so internal talent attraction, bringing the right people into our organisation, and then right through to development, succession, uh, making sure we have basically the right people in the right roles at the right time. Very good. And, and recruitment's obviously changing quite a lot yeah. um, because the world's changing. Yeah. So, so what, what would be those kind of factors, those forces that are changing the recruitment industry? Yeah. So, um, so we've been talking for many years now about what we call uh, these, these human age trends, right, which are massively impacting the recruitment industry. Um, and uh, you know, starting with globalization, um, so with globalization, companies have access to many more talent pools, which is great for those people that have the skills, but not so good for those that don't. Uh, we also have Brexit, obviously, in the UK, which is going to have an impact on skills availability. We yeah. know exactly how it's going to play out. Um, shifting demographics. So people are working longer, uh, living longer, and they want more, more choice and more flexibility as they go through their career journey. So we have to factor that in. Um, and then, of course, AI, digitalization, completely transforming um, industries and the nature of, of jobs. Mm. Um, so, yeah, fundamentally, you know, forces that are making us kind of rethink a lot of this. And he, uh, is that playing out in real time now? I mean, these are big macro Massively, changes. Massively, yeah. So give yeah. us some practical examples of how those big changes are affecting kind of, you know, jobs and, and recruitment yeah, on the ground. Yeah, and that's a really good point because, you know, we've been talking about these things for a long time. And to your point, we are totally see th seeing these play out now. Um, you, know, you get the question, um, will jobs be replaced by, you know, robots and automation? Mm. Um, and, you know, we think largely not. Uh, perhaps a small percentage maybe become completely replaced and, and obsolete. But but the vast majority, 45% mm. uh, plus of jobs, you know, we see as really transforming um, and probably becoming more interesting and more meaningful, right? Because the more uh, mundane... Um, uh, pretty routine parts of roles will be automated, mm. freeing people up to focus more on the kind of the creative, perhaps more of the people side. And if we, if you take recruiters, the role of a recruitment consultant, for example, so a lot of what they will do typically is qualifying candidates for jobs, um, matching CVs, you know, skills to to roles, scheduling interviews. Much of all of that mm. is and will become automated, mm. right? So that then frees the consultant up to really 
get close to the candidate and go on the career journey with the candidate, get to know their aspirations, what's important for them, become more of like a career coach um, and trusted advisor. So um, in that scenario, um, what, again, what we, what we see a lot of is that the human skills or the soft skills become even more important. Yeah, I, I really like that. I mean, I think I heard somebody the other day um, talking about artificial intelligence and sort of demystifying it a little bit yeah. and saying, the thing is, even though supercomputers are winning at chess and winning at Go yeah. and winning at all sorts of things, yeah. the computer isn't doesn't actually know what the game is about. Yeah. Um, it's just been programmed. It has yeah. algorithms to yeah. do stuff. Yeah. Um, and they were saying, if we described artificial intelligence as augmented intelligence yeah. so basically humans using tech to get smarter yeah it's all of a sudden it's less scary yeah and actually that seems to be yeah. the way things are playing out it's exactly that right so it is augmented so humans will augment because like you say the machine doesn't get the why right and what the what the human brings is the understanding, the empathy, um, and I think the focus, the human skills have always been important, um, but probably become even more important, the communication, right? Um, the, the empathy, mm. um, problem solving. Mm. And actually, the other thing I would call out is, and we talk a lot about, is, is learnability. Yeah. Um, learnability to me is, the master skill. What? How would you define so, learnability? Yeah, so, so it's um, the the ability and the desire to continuously learn new skills, mm. right? And so, if you think about the pace of change, and it's only speeding up, and so those people that are able to continuously acquire new skills will be successful throughout their longer term careers, right? But my view. It, it, it sounds it sounds kind of easy. So learnability, you know, that's easy. You know, I can learn. People, people say I can learn. But actually, um, I think it takes great confidence and determination going through that learning process mm. because you have to be comfortable. You have to get out of your comfort zone. Right? You have to be okay with the new and the unfamiliar and try, test, experiment fail make mistakes those are all part of the learning process and it's not always that comfortable mm. but by doing that you get the feedback you get better and so as an individual if you are able to continue to do that through the course of your career you will continue to learn an upskill and have relevant skills and do you think people get that do you think people um that you're working with that you've hired that are working within your business yeah. or within your clients businesses yeah. do you think they understand that um they're going to have to continue continue to learn and reskill themselves um i think it's a concept as we do i think that we have we need to really really keep talking about um because naturally i think we all think i want the perfect person for the job i want a person that's got this 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 all these technical things all mm. these soft skills um and because again because jobs are changing so fast that's not always possible mm. so for me it is about looking for those people with with that, that with that learnability you know wh whether you term that as curiosity determination drive adaptability mm. um and and there are ways that you can do that so we have a what we call a, a learnability quotient here mm. at manpower group but there are questions that you can ask in the interview process there there are assessments um and i think it's about continuing to understand that and, ed and educate people 
And do people get that those are the criteria that you're looking for for them to evolve within their businesses? I think it's still a learning process. Um, so it's something uh, so we, we, we need to continue to talk about um, and, and weave into, even internally, even within our own hiring processes. Um, so I, I do think it's an ongoing educational process. So, so uh, uh, this kind of, this really interests me because uh, we, I guess you, we've talked previously, you, you know that I'm interested in that transition from education to employment. Yeah. Uh, and we're talking about how do we, you know, evolve these soft skills, yeah. if you like, yeah. um, in the workplace. Yeah. But in many ways, it's much easier if people understand that these are just as important. Absolutely. Um, when they're coming into the workplace most definitely uh, and a lot of employers say when they're when they're meeting young people at entry level mm. um on paper they look great but yeah. then we meet them or they transition into the business and and they're missing all of these kind of soft skills yeah yeah, yeah. so so I, I i equally feel very um passionately about that and um uh, so a, a CBI um, Pearson study, this kind of brought the facts to life for me, uh, fifth, said 50% of employers were not satisfied with the communication skills of school leavers. So I think that aligns with what you're saying. Yeah. Now, um, but there are some great practices out there. So I visited a school um, in Stratford in London called School 21 um, a few months ago. And they have an absolute focus on communication and they call it oracy mm -hmm. and they hire teachers based Peter on Hyman this philosophy school, it is it? it is have you been i've not but i've read about okay. it okay so it is it's truly inspiring and so i observed some lessons the way that the teachers interact with the children and really empower them um and they they bring in external um business leaders and they get the kids debating and asking them questions but 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 the point is it's weaved through their whole teaching methods mm. and it shows so the the, the the school kids they are confident they are articulate um and i also met with um their partner organization called voice 21 so the school is school 21 voice 21 are looking to scale the approach across other schools across the country and so what i'm what we're talking with them about is how can we support you and how can we be the employer voice or represent the employer community to say these skills are important mm. um so that's you know that that's an example there are um i think some really great practices out there um to your point sometimes there is a, there is a strong focus on the academic mm. the academic is important but how can we also weave the soft skills into the learning yeah no I couldn't agree more I think um, again uh, the job I do means I get to meet all sorts of kind of interesting people who have strong uh, you know and diverse views on this but but some of the sort of the constants that are coming out here is yeah. that um, skills development within education needs to become as important as literacy and yep. numeracy yeah and if you put it like that yeah. it means that you can't just have a sort of a, a separate few kind of careers lessons tucked away exactly um you need to be drawing out the fact that you know when people are doing extracurricular activities whether it's sport whether it's mm. music drama mm. Mm. um you can bring out some of these sort of team working skills yeah uh, and identify them um, I think one of the one of the challenges that that I've seen um, is that because employers describe these skills in so many different ways, mm -hmm. it's quite hard yeah. for schools to yeah. know. Well, everybody's talking about these soft skills. 
so what are they? Yeah. Um, do you have them kind of yeah. quite tightly That's defined? That's a really great point. It's a really important point. And so communication, what does it mean? Right. Some, some people's take on that might be that person can talk. Well, actually, great communication is made up of asking for clarity yeah. when you don't understand. Yeah. Listening. Yeah. You know, how can you, can you succinctly um make make a, a good point right articulate a point and so there are about five or six things even just for communication mm. that that breaks down into mm. so you're right it's about employers being very clear um about what they look for and then how can that be shared um and help and, and understood within within education and the other thing i i also and i agree with your point that what you don't want soft skills to be is an extra add-on module. It, you don't want it to be a tick box, and that's just something that's got to be done. It should weave through, and that's why School 21, I think, are getting it so you know so right, because mm. um, it's it's weaved through the whole teaching philosophy. And f and flipping back to organisations yeah. and employers, yeah. Um, uh, what, what are they doing from your perspective yeah. to focus on those soft skills mm. and train or retrain mm. people, help them to develop those skills? Yeah. So for me, it's kind of a similar point, right? So what I don't think the answer is, is let's run some training courses in communication skills um, or, or risk-taking or whatever, right? I think it has to be cultural. Mm. Um, for it to be cultural... It needs to be driven by, or certainly role modelled by senior leadership. Mm. I think senior, senior leaders need to role model the behaviour. You know, if you want to see in your organisation more curiosity or more risk-taking, more innovation, whatever, then it needs to be role modelled. It needs to be coached. Um, you need to reward and recognise the behaviours when you see them and celebrate successes. Ideally, even building into talent processes, um, scorecards, um, it has to be taken seriously. Promotion, rewards. Promotions, reward, exactly. And so what? just as an example, what we've done, part of my day job, um, is we have created what we call success profiles, which, um, so by level, so from MD, you know, at, at every level down to consultant. Um, so for our top six values, behaviours that we believe are important, what do they look like? at each level? What does successful demonstration look like at each level? And then the idea is that we recruit against them, we develop against them. So we've developed a diagnostic for people to assess themselves in role against, and we promote against them, to your, to your point. Yeah, so, so uh, I, I mean, I guess this kind of ties back to what we were saying, that kind of the, the landscape is changing, so the expectations from the business yeah. need to kind of, you know, role model that. Yeah. This is this is what we need, and it needs to become part of your your DNA. Exactly. Um, I, I mean, there's a there's a, I think one of the areas of the changing workforce that that people pay less attention to. A lot of attention paid to young people. Mm. There's less attention paid to more experienced people. Yeah. Uh, and actually, really scary statistics about you know how difficult it is to get a job if you're over 55 mm. um, as someone who's kind of hovering you know perilously close to that age yeah. um, I kind of wonder what your views are are within your organization or external organizations mm. the kind of retraining of people and yeah. redeploying of people if say their their roles aren't 
yeah. um, course yeah. of the future. Are you yeah. seeing that? Yeah, absolutely. And so this is, um, again, where, where, what you want to look for is... Um, does a person again have that high that that learnability where where you can um, you know where they can retrain into into different roles and so we talk about skills adjacencies right so so you might be an X role today so how what 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 could you apply your transferable skills of which you will have many you'll have like a whole ton of experience um, what could that apply to tomorrow and to give us a, a concrete example um, so in fact somebody from my team so for a number of years um, they were a, a recruitment consultant um, and they spent many years actually as a as a trainer now they have in the last uh, year um, they're going through an apprenticeship mm -hmm. and they are retraining and their role is now a digital learning developer right so Great. as that role has evolved from trainer um, to digital um, developer and that is absolutely working for that individual so that's one example but there are there are many examples of that and I do think um, you know, I suppose that kind of moves on to, to the hard skills. So when we think about skill shortages, right, in, in certain areas as well, so whether, you know, whether it's engineering or IT or professional services, whatever, whatever the area, I think the real opportunity um, is for employers to partner with providers or colleges um, and find those people with the high learnability and then co-create mm. curriculums whether it's reskilling mm. or just building a pipeline from scratch, but cope so 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 that you are upskilling those people to have the skills that the the employers the employers need. Yeah, that's a great model. I couldn't agree more. Um, can I just pick up on something that, that you mentioned? Skill adjacent adjacencies, yeah. um, which I'm really interested in because. Um, Traditionally in recruitment, you look at kind of what, what has somebody done in the last three or four years yeah. and then try and plug that into yeah. what they're going to do for their next role. Mm -hmm. Whereas, as, as we know, there is an awful lot of skills that people have developed yeah. that actually probably are tucked away in their CV or are buried quite a long yeah. way down. Yeah. Um, and those might be the kind of the skills adjacencies. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I, what kind of methods do you use to kind of identify within yeah. individuals yeah. what their adjacencies are? Are you using technology to support that? Um, not so much. So, so we have, um, I mentioned the success profiles and uh, the diagnostic tool, which is, a, which is a digital tool, right? And so I think the value of even something like that is that, I don't know, maybe someone's in, um, um, I know, compliance today or marketing, right? And they want to move across into a certain brand or IT or something, but how on earth could they possibly go about that, right? But when you start talking in terms of transferable behaviours across, right? So um, whether it's about fostering innovation or seizing opportunities or building relationships, then you can start to see those adjacencies. So you might be... Um, in marketing today, but you have those transferable skills and there's probably just some technical upskilling. Um, so, so I think it's, so I think the success profiles are certainly helping us, but then it's the career conversation, right? So where it's manager as coach and where managers are having the career, the ongoing career and development conversations with individuals to say, what are your aspirations? 
where are your strengths? Where are you at your best? Where do you see yourself? You know, what could we explore there? That keeps it fluid. It keeps it live rather than building big, enormous career paths where the jobs are changing, you know, before you even know it. So I'm a big believer in the tools and frameworks, but actually the conversations. And you uh, have, are you witnessing um, training for managers to, to be better at this? So, so that's where I do believe in training. I do still believe in training, but I think it's one solution among a suite, right? So absolutely. So um, one of the things that we've done again in the last couple of years is um, we've created our own coaching framework because I do think it's, you know, a coaching conversation is different to a command tell conversation. Yes. And that's when you draw out from the individual really the, 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 the important, the real stuff to them, right? So we, we, we uh, I worked with a cross-functional team of senior leaders um, and we said, how can we really bring this to life for managers um, to help them have those coaching conversations? So we said, we need a practical framework. So we developed a practical framework um, and then we created a very experiential session um, and we had all all our leaders go through from top top to bottom um, and that's what we yeah we've done that pretty much over the last couple of years well I think that that's really helpful if the if the business can see the business leaders yeah having to evolve having to change having to you know yeah. reskill themselves because yeah. um, a lot of people uh, they get to a certain stage in their career and they think you know what I've made it this yeah. is it this is me yeah um, and, and actually that sends out all the wrong signals. Absolutely, yeah. Um, so Just back to leaders' role modelling. We're all learning. We're all, all having to continue to learn and adapt. And it's been really nice to hear our senior leaders you know, share some of those messages and talk about that. Um, so, yeah, I think it's a great point. Fantastic. Um, and then in terms of if we're, if we're looking at um, the, the wider world and, and what candidates are, are expecting... Um, yeah. Uh, and and what their experiences um, should look like. Yeah. How have you seen that? And and is technology supporting that in any way? Yeah. So I think probably going back to the earlier point that um, you know people are working longer, right? And and it's referred to as these these career marathons. And so you know if you are in the workplace or, or you know, your your career over such a long period of time, you're going to want more probably flexibility and choice and and we talk about career waves so people might you know at a certain stage in their career they might want to work more flexibly um, they might want to do contracts or interim or, or freelance um, to support home work life balance you know so so I think part of the the, the, the recruiter's role against back to the career coach is kind of really understanding where where the, the candidate is um, I would also say, this thing around um, people are looking for organisations that kind of share their values, shared values, shared sort of sense of purpose, social social purpose becomes increasingly important. So I think it's um, for organisations, it's about being clear about that, being clear about your purpose, your values, um, and promoting your your EVP um, and really bringing that to life. Um, and also making sure it's authentic because that's key you can talk about all sorts of kind of laudable yep. social purpose yeah but actually as a business you're not paying tax or you're yeah. 
you know exploiting workers on the other side of the world and, yeah. and obviously there's a myriad of examples where the kind of the, the stated purpose doesn't really align with with the actions absolutely um so there's quite so a bit of cynicism around there, there, there is there, there, there is and, and and you know you hear the whole thing that you know some companies will spend um you know 95 percent crafting these statements and then five percent bringing them to life you know they sit in a drawer so yeah. it you have to flip it right and so so that you have to have meaningful meaningful conversations around what what are what is our purpose what are we truly here to do what difference uh, are we here to make mm. you know at manpower group it is about doing well by doing good you know putting people into meaningful employment and so we have to all feel that and believe that and as you say then then you can talk about it authentically and it, that has to drive through the dna of your organization um, and your employee stories, your employees become your advocates of that and their stories bring that to life. Mm. That's really good. And just uh, before we draw it to a close, just looking ahead to, to uh, next year in terms of um, challenges that, 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 that you can see um, ahead of you that uh, either as an organization or in the wider world we're, we're gonna be confronting. Yeah. Um, what have you got in your kind of sights as something that you really want to get stuck into next year? Yeah, I, I think um, it is coming back to this thing around soft skills, behaviours, culture, right? Because we know that the, the, the cult, was it culture eat strategy for breakfast? Yes. You know, that, that, that will drive um, largely uh, your success. Mm. So, but, but, but mind, you know, changing mindsets, everyone adapting that that's not an easy process it's an ongoing process mm -hmm. so for me it's continuing to work through um some of that um i think the, the education partnerships and and um helping to build some of that pipeline and stress the importance of what business is looking for uh, that's a key focus and then um Staying on top of technology, you know, that again, that's constantly evolving and making sure that we use the right technologies for the right things, not being blinded by all dazzled by all these different te technologies. But as a business, what are we trying to achieve? What are we trying to solve? And then, then let's find the right solutions to support that. Brilliant. Joe, it's been a real pleasure talking to you. Thanks Thank you. very much. Thank you. Thank you very much. Changeball's sixth Future Talent Conference will be taking place on the 21st of March in London at the Royal Geographical Society. Join 750 of your peers for a stimulating day of thought leadership on the theme of technology and humanity. Visit our conference website, ftconf2019.com. That's ftconf2019.com to get your tickets now. We look forward to bringing you another Future Talent podcast very soon. <laughs>